him. And so we welcome you. So I want to invite you to stand as we sing our first song together. Father God, we just want to thank you and praise you that you are the same. You don't change regardless of our circumstances, regardless of how we feel, regardless of the blessings or the challenges that we face. You remain faithful. You remain the same. You are our rock, our Lord, our shepherd, our God. And sometimes, Father, it's hard to understand what you're doing in each circumstance. But God, this morning we stand here in faith, knowing that you are good. And so, God, for that, we thank you. We thank you that you're the God of love. And this morning, as we worship you, as we hear your word, Father, we pray that we might meet with you and that you would touch our hearts and our lives afresh this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and love. Amen. Let's continue in our worship as we sing, You are the sovereign I am. Good morning, everybody. Um, just a couple of items um, for your information. Um, as you'll know, that we're starting things back up again. New things are starting. Um, but we are still in need of help in some of those areas. For those of you who are normally here on a Sunday know that normally after a Sunday service, we have tea, coffee, cold drinks. We would like to start that up again in September. However, we do need more help to um, take part in that. You'd be on a rotor basis, so you won't be doing it every week. Hopefully, it would be once a month. Um, so if you're interested, either speak to me or contact Ruth in the office. Even if you helped out in the past and would like to help out still, still let me and Ruth know. That would be really great. And then also, you will have seen on the notice sheet and on the signs on the door, the meeting place is reopening. It's reopening on Tuesday the 31st, so next Tuesday. However, you'll see Alison needs help, particularly on Tuesdays and Fridays to volunteer, but I spoke to her this morning, and it is every day she does need help, but Tuesdays and Fridays. So if you're interested in volunteering, you'll see on the list it's things like clearing the tables, talking to customers, taking orders of food. Um, it's a really great opportunity. So if you can spare just a couple of hours a week, please do contact Alison. She'd really appreciate it. So that's all the notices. And for those of you who are in the building, um, during the next song, if you have offerings that you'd like to um, place in the offering box, they're based here in the church. Um, and we also want to give thanks to those who have also um, offered through their bank account. So let us pray. Father, I do thank you that we have this opportunity every week to come and worship you, whether in person or via online. And we do thank you for the offerings that come either by people in the building or people um, via bank accounts. We thank you that we can use that money to um, make your word known amongst this community. Amen. Also, can I just add, we urgently need help for our Amaze Adults um, group that we run each week. It's a group for additional needs people, and it's, in the past it's been very much a Bible study um, and fun and singing and worship. Um, we really would like to restart this group. It's been running for over 15 years, 
and um, the people love it, and we love meeting with them. It's a lot of fun. It's a really easy group to be part of. We're going to be running it probably on a Tuesday morning at 10.30. So if you're able to come and help, we really do need help. At the moment, we have not enough team to run it. So if you can offer, we would really greatly value that. Okay, I need some children to help me. We're going to sing a song. So if all the children can come and help me, and if there's any big children that want to come, you're very welcome to as well, Sally. (laughs) And anyone else. If there's other people, Matt looked like he was about to jump up. He decided not to at the last minute. There's people upstairs coming down. Okay, so it's a song. Okay. We are going to sing this song. Let's all stand together and uh, let's have... Oh, you're going, Matthew. I've lost one already. What did I do? <laughs> okay, let's, um, let's sing this song. It's a girls only, girls power. <laughs> I think the children, please sit down, are going to come down and do some craft now. So anybody who wants to come and do some craft, please come and do some craft. Oh, I'm worn out. <laughs> I'm absolutely full of allergy this morning, so I apologise if I'm coughing and spluttering a bit. Guinea pigs and me, it would appear, to no longer go together, so I apologise. Damilola is going to come and read our first reading for us from Luke chapter 8. Thank you, Damilola. Good morning, church. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Jesus gives, life, Jesus gives life to a dead girl and heals a sick woman. When Jesus went back to Galilee, the people welcomed him. Everyone was waiting for him. A man named Jairus came to him. He was a leader of the synagogue. He had only one daughter. She was 12 years old, and she was dying. So Jairus bowed down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to to come to his house. While Jesus was going to Jairus' house, the people crowded all around him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all her money on doctors, but no doctor was able to heal her. The woman came behind Jesus and touched the bottom of his coat. At that moment, the bleeding stopped. Then Jesus said, who touched me? They all said they had not touched him. And Peter said, master, people are all around you, pushing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I felt power go out of me. When the woman saw that she could not hide, She came forward, shaking. She bowed down before Jesus. While everyone listened, she explained why she had touched him. Then she said that she had been healed immediately when she touched him. Jesus said to her, My daughter, you are made well because you believed. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue leader and said, Your daughter has died. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. Jesus heard this 
and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and your daughter will be well. Jesus went to the house. He let only Peter, John, James, and the girl's father and mother go inside with him. Everyone was crying and feeling sad because the girl was dead. But Jesus said, don't cry, she is not dead, she's only sleeping. The people laughed at him because they knew that the girl was dead. But Jesus held her hand and called to her, little girl, stand up. Her spirit came back into her and she stood up immediately. Jesus said, give her something to eat. The girl's parents were amazed. He told them not to tell anyone about what had happened. Okay, I have two pre-prepped volunteers who are highly trained and highly skilled. That would be Elsa and Matthew. Are you up for it, Matthew? Fantastic. Come then. They have been training, okay, for the last... How many years have you had to train to be doctors and surgeons? None. None? Don't tell him that. Oh, my goodness. How many... How many You've played it at your auntie and uncle's. Well, this is no game. You're about to do an operation. Okay, so let's see what the first task is. Okay, this one's from Matthew. Do you want to read it? Cool. Sam's got a wish. Can you make it come true? Quickly take it out, but don't break it in two. So it's the wishbone. He is about to operate on the wishbone. Come out of the way, Jemima. Let him concentrate. We don't want to hurt Sam. <laughs> Oh, he's a few little... Oh, very good, Matthew. Well done. One thing out. Okay, well done. Very good. Okay, he did cry a little bit. Right, Jemima. Oh, um, Elsa, do you want to take the next card? Oh, do that again, Matthew. Just, just let us hear that horrible noise. <coughs> Send shivers down your spine. Okay, what's this one say, Elsa? Pulled muscle. Sam pulled a muscle while running a race. Now he's limping all over the place. Okay, so you've got to remove Sam's pulled muscle. <laughs> oh, well done. Very nicely done. Well done, you two. Thank you very much. You can go and carry on with your craft now. Oh, Matthew's just going to... Ouch, poor Sam. Poor, poor Sam. Let's put that so it doesn't roll off. Operations, oh, horrible things. What a game, horrible noise. That little tool can make such a piercing, nasty noise. It feels dangerous when it shakes on your hand as though you might get yourself an electric shock. I decided not to give them an electric shock this morning. You'd be glad to know, health and safety. But this morning, we're thinking about this song. Blessed be your name, and we've done good times We've done desert times. We've done the, the other good times in our lives. And this morning, we're on to another tricky one. We're on to our lives marked with suffering. And I thought that this game, although it's just a bit of fun, actually stands for some of the roads of suffering that many of us have to pass through in our lives, that we might take illness or surgery, treatment, or maybe no treatment, 
ongoing pain and suffering, mental ill health, loss, bereavement, financial difficulties, family issues, addiction, worries about work, concerns about your children, concerns about the future, facing aging and the challenges and decisions that need to be made, exams. If I went round the church, we could probably all come up with something different that makes life sometimes a path of suffering. There's a saying, isn't there, that no one ever said it was going to be easy. And my goodness for me, as no truer word has been said. And so today we're thinking of these words, blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Life's often described as a road, isn't it? Whether we say, oh, you've got a smooth or a bumpy journey, or what path shall I take, or life feels so uphill at the moment. Life is a journey. And in, often in our culture, we seem to forget that life has its ups and downs. We teach our children and young people to strive to be the best that they can, to love others, to get the best grades that they're able, to better themselves. But in all our teaching of our children, often little is said that life will be painful at times. Life brings challenges to everyone, seen and unseen. Sometimes we get hit with something which knocks us off our feet. We find ourselves asking questions like, why me? Why? What have I done to deserve this? How do I carry on from here? Somehow, in our lives, we've managed to avoid the painful subjects. And when they hit us, we're surprised, we're shaken. Even our faith takes a big hit. And the two people in the story that Damilola read for us today, they understood suffering. The poor lady who'd been bleeding severely for 12 years, who'd spent all her money on doctors. For her, in those days, that would have made her unclean. People wouldn't have wanted to know her or to be near her. She probably couldn't work. I don't want to imagine what kind of treatment she might have had to endure. This poor lady had no end in sight to her suffering. She understood suffering. And even today, it's not a subject we'd want to talk about, is it? That somebody bleeding. She knew suffering. She understood pain. She knew what it felt like to be bullied. She knew what it felt like to be disliked. No friends, people avoiding you. She knew the hopelessness that comes with an illness without a cure. She knew exhaustion. She knew poverty. She knew how to make ends meet. Her road was absolutely marked with suffering. And yet, she still believed in God. She hears about Jesus passing by. And in Matthew's gospel, he writes that she said to herself, if I can only just touch his cloak, I will get well. Jairus, he too knew suffering very different kind, a leader in the local synagogue, someone who isn't meant to believe in Jesus. He has a family, and in this passage, we find him utterly desperate. His daughter is so sick, she's clearly dying. On the pain of seeing your child suffer in any way, through illness, disability, friendships, fear, injury, 
It's hard to be a parent, but to see them get sick, watching them get worse, realizing the worst is about to happen, we can't bear to think about that kind of pain. For those here who have maybe walked that path, our hearts break for you. What unbearable pain, what unbearable suffering. And here's Jairus, his heart breaking apart. Yet in those last moments of his daughter's life, he tears himself away from her. He goes and in faith, he believes that God can still help. He's heard about Jesus and he believes in him. He knows that Jesus is his only hope. The road marked with suffering. When I first read that verse, my thoughts immediately returned to the dreadful road that our Lord himself took for us. The road to Calvary where Jesus himself was tortured. The suffering he endured is unthinkable, the agonies that he suffered there for us. If anyone knows what it means to travel the road of suffering, you're not alone. You're surrounded by the gyruses of this world, by the woman with bleeding. But you can also know this, that your God himself knows what it means to suffer. Jesus was no exception to suffering. His whole life was difficult. He started as a refugee, his parents fleeing from Herod, who was killing all the babies. He grew up, and as an adult, we read in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, that Jesus said, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a salary coming in. He didn't have a mortgage or a rental. Many times we read that his disciples were exhausted. I wonder how Jesus himself felt. He was the one who was doing the teaching and the healing. Jesus' life was tough. He saw and understood the pain of those around him. And he spent hours alone praying. He lacked the comfort so many of us take for granted and knew where his life on earth would end at the cross. His life was one of utter sacrifice, of horrific suffering, of a body broken, complete heartbreak. Life for all of us has its ups and downs. And this morning we're thinking about this hard topic, the road marked with suffering. And so I want us to pause for a moment. Because there is hope. Life has its ups as well as its downs. But I want us to pause for a moment to think about what the road of suffering might mean for you. What road is really tough in your life right now? Or maybe has left its scars on your life? And if nothing pops to your mind, maybe you can think of people, friends, family that you know for whom that road is really tough right now. Each person, hopefully, has been given a rock. Um, are there any spare rocks? Oh, Haley's just going to check for me. Thank you, Haley. We'll see if there's any spare rocks. So if anybody would like uh, an extra rock. No, there's no spare rocks. They've all gone. So hopefully everybody's got a rock or can share a rock with somebody else. And if not, just maybe a bit of paper if you have a bit of paper. The rock, I want you to hold it in your hand if you're able to. And I want you to think about what weighs you down, what things are hard for you. And on that rock, I invite you to write perhaps just one letter 
to, to signify what it is, or maybe one word that just expresses what it is that you need to bring before God this morning. So often the most difficult of our paths are lonely ones, and they might be too personal to share with others, and that's okay. This morning's service is a service of worship, a time when we can be real before God. God is here. He loves you. He cares about you. So I invite you to write something on that rock. And in a few minutes, as we bring, sing the next song, we're going to bring the rocks forward and place them face down so no one else can see what you've written. And then they're going to be moved to the back of the stage in a bit. But you'll be putting them down the front. So in the silence for a few minutes, just feel the weight of these rocks. Know the weight in your heart. And let's bring those things to God as Jairus and the woman came to Jesus in faith. Let us draw near with the weight of these things and let's spend a few moments just quietly giving them to God. Maybe if you're at home and watching this online, you might want to, this afternoon, go for a walk or find something in your house that has a weight and just spend some time later praying and giving God the things on your heart too. Our suffering, the suffering of those we love, these rocks are but a symbol. Our roads are so often marked with suffering, and yet we have a sure and a certain hope. He has gone ahead of us. Our faith may be tested, it might be tried, but our prayer is that our faith will come out stronger. And there's a passage in Zechariah that says, This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I'll answer them. I will say, They are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. A refiner's fire, it's an extremely hot fire, hot enough to melt metal, where impurities are removed and where the precious metals are made strong and pure. It's a picture of the opportunity that we are given, which only suffering offers. The opportunity through pain and suffering to have our faith tested and strengthened because we find God in its heat, in ways that we never could outside of trials. It's not a place that any one of us would choose to walk, but it's a place that life often, in its richness and its depth, brings out even in her. And I'm going to invite John to come and read our next reading from Psalm chapter 18. Our second reading uh, uh, is from Psalm 18, as was said, and it's in three parts. First part is from verses 1 to 6, and then verses 30 to 33, and then finally I think it's verse 36 to 40, sorry, 46 to 50. And uh, if you just forgive me, there's a, a, a preface in my Bible, and it says, For the director of music, of David the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. 
he said. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, my cry came before him into his ears. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For, for who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. And then finally from verse 46. The Lord lives, praised, praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my saviour. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From violent men you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you among the nations, O Lord, I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Thank you, John. <clears throat> the woman who had been bleeding and Jairus knew that God could help them. In the middle of their suffering, they seek Jesus. And as the woman reaches out her hand, she knows that if she can just touch the edge of his cloak, she would be healed. And as she does so, healing immediately washes over her. She knows it immediately. But why does Jesus call her out? Why embarrass her in front of the crowd to share her story? Well, I'm glad he did, even if it was just for our sakes as we read the story and know that we're not alone in our suffering. That this long-term degenerative illness that we have is recognized in the Bible. The awfulness of no end in sight is here in these pages. That alone would be helpful. But actually, I think it was also because her illness was known to the community. The shame that she carried would have been held against her. And so here, Jesus, out of love and kindness, to protect her from even more humiliation, calls her out. The whole community now know that she has received healing from the Messiah himself. Her public shame becomes her public healing. Her public acceptance and Jesus publicly speaking kindly to her, acknowledging her, affirming her, sending her away with a blessing. Her faith made her take action, and Jesus did the miracle that changed her life. Blessed be your name, 
on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Jairus, at the point that he could least afford to leave his daughter's side, as she struggled to take her final breaths, he leaves her. Why? Because he believed that Jesus could help. His faith drove him to lead, leave her side. It drove him on to reach Jesus as soon as possible. And as he comes to Jesus, so Jesus reassures this desperate father, don't be afraid, says Jesus, only believe and she'll be well. The pain in the offering for Jairus must have been huge to tear himself away, to fetch Jesus, and Jesus agrees to come, but he can't get there quick enough. The crowds are fast, and Jesus stops to talk and heal this woman, and then he gets told not to bother the Lord anymore because his daughter is dead. Oh God, you could have saved her, cries Jairus' heart. He knows his God, he believes in him. The pain in his offering is vast, And through that pain comes the voice of Jesus, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be well. The road back to Jairus' house must have been unbearable for Jairus. How he physically and emotionally made it, we don't know, but it must have been terrible. The pain in his offering at this point, even with Jesus at his side, must have been so very costly. As they arrive, though, Jesus clears everyone away, and taking the girl by the hand, he tells her to get up and brings her back to life. How Jairus' heart must have sung, blessed be the Lord. The path of suffering. Will you choose to worship God through it? Our faith might be rocked to its very foundation, but we'll come out of this path stronger because of it if we focus on God and trust him. In the midst of our suffering, will our hearts choose, and it is a choice, to worship God regardless of what we're facing? One of the things mum would always say to me was to stop and count my blessings. When things were hard, she always told me to praise God, to turn things into praise. And you know, there's something so powerful in turning our thoughts in a different direction There's something so powerful when even when we don't feel like it, we put on those worship songs and they worship our God and take us with them. He lifts our hearts. Even as our praise turns to tears, we start to receive his healing and his comfort. I encourage you in your suffering, perhaps when you feel unable to praise or unable to pray, put on some worship and listen to that. The psalmist that John read in this psalm, in verse 5 to (coughs) 6, he understood this. He wrote, The danger of death was round me, and the grave set its trap for me. In my trouble, I called to the Lord. I called to my God for help. In his temple, he heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. The reality is is that it can be so hard to praise our God at these times. So very, very hard. But to know that he is there walking 
with you, the same yesterday, today, forever, carrying you, that he loves you, that he himself has walked these awful paths, that he understands you completely. He understands your pain. He understands your fear, your heartache, and God cares. A friend of mine recently, who's not Christian, asked me whether my faith had helped me through difficult times, and I said yes, without a shadow of doubt. At times when I've not understood when I had ME for two and a half years, I didn't understand, but knowing God helped me through. Losing people, to know that God is there and he has them in his care is so important to help us to keep going. I know that he has our family and friends in his loving care. To know when you're sitting there on the dark nights in a ward that God is there with you, looking after you, taking care of those you love on that ward. I couldn't do it without knowing God inside my heart. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, there is pain in this offering. Blessed be your name. Sometimes it costs us to say that. But in God we trust. You give and you take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Today I don't know your circumstances. Just this week I was speaking to somebody who, if you met them, seemed to have everything. They've got the wonderful house. They've got an amazing lifestyle. They've got extra holiday homes. They seem to have everything, a beautiful family. But actually under that veneer, there was so much suffering, so much pain and difficulty, but nobody would know it. You look at them, they look the, the kind of family you dream to be. We each carry our own things. And if there's pain in your offering this morning, I encourage you to keep praising God. You aren't alone. Many of us walk similar paths, and through it all, your Lord and your Savior is right there beside you. He carries you at times. He leads you at other times. He's with you. He loves you. He knows all about everything that you're thinking and feeling and what you've written on those rocks. He's surrounding you with his protection. Does it cost to praise him sometimes? Yes. But God, your father, knows that. And he's here this morning to surround you. We're in a safe place as we trust in God, offering him our costly thanks and worship. A difficult verse this morning, but one which breeds hope. God is there. He understands what is written on those rocks. He understands what you're carrying. And good times do come. Life is full of ups and downs. We're going to sing again, and then we're going to hear a testimony from somebody who has been through plenty of suffering in their lives. So let's stand together and remind ourselves that... <laughs> Okay, here goes. <laughs> Sam, have we got the, uh, whoever's up on the desk, have we got the pictures up there? Okay. Um, you're used to seeing confidence, Sarah, over there, who enjoys singing and doesn't mind being in front of you. This morning you might see Sarah with a tear, so be warned.
Um, I shouldn't be here, um, and neither should my father, Ken, nor my eldest son, Peter, as a lot of you know. No, it's fine. Can you they speak into this so people can hear you? Oh, right, okay, sorry. Um, my dad was born with a hole in the heart, and at three years old, at Great Ormond Street, was on death's door, family were called, the elders came and laid hands on him, and in the morning he was sitting up eating toast. <laughs> An overnight healing. I was born with a hole in my heart, had a very sickly childhood, didn't know what to do in those days, which was years ago, <laughs> didn't have the modern technology they do now, um, and at 21, the Lord healed me. So that took quite a long time of prayers. So I shouldn't be here, and nor should my father. Can we have the next slide, please? This is my son, Peter, young man now. He was born with four holes in his heart. We knew about one while I was pregnant, and then he was born, and we got the shock of our lives when we realised he actually had four holes. Can you put the next slide up, please? Born two and a half weeks early by emergency C-section because his heart rate was dropping. Um, and he fed fairly well at first. Yeah, I know, he's really cute, isn't he? And then the weight started to drop. He couldn't feed. I remember my mum sitting on the sofa crying because she could not get four ounces of milk down him. He was so weak. Next slide, please. By mid-December, he looked like this and barely seven pounds. I was bathing him and looked at him and he looked like a child in an African famine advert for support. He was just skin and bones. And I took him down to Old Church Hospital, for those of you old enough to remember Old Church Hospital. And I stood in the inpatients department and I said, you've got to do something because if you don't, he'll be dead in the morning. And I'm usually a fairly patient person, I don't like confrontation, but that day with my dying son in my arms, I got really quite bolshy. <laughs> and I stood there and said, I'm not leaving, because if I leave, he won't be here in the morning. So they did take him in. Next slide, please. And they put an NG tube in so he could be fed that way. And he did finally start to put on weight. And here he is, our first Christmas. Not what you envisage for your baby's first Christmas with all the usual celebrations. So that was really horrible. But on that morning, um, we were blessed by a wonderful nurse who was brought into our lives called Sharon, who we still see. We saw her this week, actually, and she lives in Broadstairs. A Christian woman, talk about an angel walking among us. She uh, was devastated to hear that I couldn't go to church that morning because obviously Peter was in hospital. And she said, right, and she scooped him up out of his cot. She said, go home, go and have a shower come back, you can take him for one hour and go to the morning service. So that's what we did. And that morning, the worship group that I used to sing with came and said, Sarah, we're doing Heart the Herald. We need you for the descant. Can you come and sing? So even though my child in my husband's arms was, was there and very poorly, I went and sang my heart out on Christmas morning. Um, he stayed in old church and was feeding and finally putting on weight. We're just so relieved that he was still alive and with us. And then on New Year's Eve, he'd been sleeping on my husband's shoulder all night long. And in the morning, there was the most terrifying gurgling sound as milk backfed, went into his lung, and his lung collapsed. My husband says it was the most horrible noise he's ever heard in all his life. Um, he was rushed into intensive care 
resuscitated. This is our valley of death when you don't know what's going on with your child. At that point, as I said, I was at the Good Shepherd and the then vicar, Ray Samme, what a man, sent the call out. Peter's in trouble. On New Year's Eve, and within an hour, 50 people dropped everything and raced to church to pray for my son. Now, if that's not a demonstration of what church should be, then I don't know what is. He was finally transferred to Great Ormond Street. My goodness, that was a harrowing 20-minute journey up to the city, I can tell you. Next slide, please. And when we arrived, he was... You've skipped one, I think, have you not? Can you go back one? I think one of them's got missed. There he is. And to see your child on a ventilator and grey, you just didn't know what had hit us. Just feeling helpless, sitting by his bedside, singing that song we've just done. And I didn't know she was going to choose that. I didn't ask for that song. That's the one I sang to him. And we had it up on his cot along with Psalm 121, which I read not so long ago and wobbled then too. And that's why. Next slide, please. Thank you. A lot of long days and sitting at his bedside. And at three months old, he had his first open heart surgery called a PA banding, which for layman people like me means that one half side of the heart was going properly and the other side wasn't where the hole was. So they restricted one side so it was more balanced and then he was able to put on weight. That was a long three hours while he was in surgery, my goodness me. Then we went back to old church and we finally celebrated our first Christmas in February and my family kept all their trees up until February when we could have our first Christmas with him. Next slide, thank you. He started putting on weight as we prepared for the second operation. He needed to be stronger to actually have the holes fixed, you see. So eventually, when he was 11 months old, he went back into Great Ormond Street. And my husband recalls having to sign that permission paper, which said all the possible side effects, including death. And that word just seemed to be enormous in our eyes. It was just horrible to have to sign that. Um, as he went in for his surgery, I read Psalm 121. Um, and then I said to the anaesthetic, uh, anaesthetic surgeon, could you please put that just under his pillow? So he was quite literally resting on the word of the Lord as he went in for his second surgery. And we just happened to get the lead cardiac surgeon at Great Ormond Street, Professor Martin Elliott. You know, we, we just happened to have the very best person there to do his operation. And he calmly came out after four hours, wheeling on a trolley, and the nurse said, he's fixed which he was, thank the Lord. Thank you, next slide. Just a week in hospital to recover. We didn't hear any noise from him for three days. We were longing for some squeak or something, and after three days, he finally started vocalising again, and he hasn't shut up since. <laughs> next slide, thank you. After just a week, there he is in his cot, and all you've got to show for it is this scar down his chest. And later... Um, backup um, checkups with him. The doctors actually said if you looked in his heart now, you wouldn't know anything had happened. The only evidence is his scar on the front. I remember something I just wanted to mention when we were praying for him before we went into his surgery at church. People's prayers just 
kept us afloat. You have no idea the support that we received. About 3,000 people were praying for us in the end, over about six or eight countries. Word just went out. But there's one prayer that stuck in my mind. If you ever need an example of that part in the Bible where Jesus was talking about the showy-offy Pharisee, you know the one who stands on the corner with all the long words? There was a 14-year-old girl, and all the grown-ups had finished praying, and he was in church, and she just said, Dear God, please don't let Peter die. Amen. You don't need fancy words to tell God what's on your heart. Just be honest with him. Thank you. If you could do the next slide. He continued to grow well, and we reached our milestones. First birthday, first day at school. He loves sports. You wouldn't think there's anything wrong with him if you watched him charging around in his go-kart at 50 mile an hour. It's terrifying. Thank you. Last slide. And now nearly 16, eating us out of house and home. Loves cricket and football, and we're now looking at colleges for him to go to next year. But our family has had immense healing and different sorts. My dad was instant. Mine took a while. And Peter's was at the hands of a very, very skilled surgeon. So God heals in very, very different ways. But through all of that, faithful one kept our family going in our shadow of death. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with my son. on am I oh, I'm on now Sarah thank you thank you so much suffering so many different ways Sarah's family has known more than their fair share she's chosen the song that we're going to listen to at the end of the service by Celine Dion and um, I invite you at the end of this service just to sit and to listen to that song and to just work out anything you need to work out between you and God this morning you might want to turn to a friend to ask them to pray for you. You might want to just be quiet and listen to the words of that song and think about the rocks that we've used. But before we end this service, we're going to stand together and we're going to praise our God who deserves all of our praise. Let's stand as an act of faith and sing this song to our Lord. May you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you know the love of God and may you have fellowship together in the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>